Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, everyone. Buddy C. I'd like to welcome Lala M. and Kirsty S. and Paul H. and Marla H. and Craig M. Got our good crowd today. Glad y'all could make it. Glad you came back for a second dose, Paul. You were you had some good good input last week. Thank you. That was good. Yeah, Kirsty could barely contain herself. It was. <laughs> we just thought Kirsty was just soaking it all up, and she was sleeping last week, right? <laughs> oh, but, uh, sometimes I wish I could sleep while I'm doing this. Me too. First thing in the morning. Oh, for sure. 45th chapter of the Tao Te Ching. Any house cleaning before we start, Marla? Our email is? Uh, wisdom526 at gmail. Okay, good, good. Anybody wants to straighten us out on anything, please email us and let us know. <laughs> we do not have this figured out. <laughs> By no means do we have this figured out. Uh <laughs> We're stumbling through and seeing a, a ray of light occasionally. <laughs> it's uh, good stuff, though. I'm just amazed, and that's part of what I think this 45th chapter is about, is things are not as they seem. Uh, getting past that first impression. Mm-hmm. Stepping back to take a look at what's at the spaces in between of what you're looking at rather than taking things for their face value. Not immediately identifying and categorizing and uh, uh, minimizing. Don't judge a book by its cover. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Anything else before we start? This one was talk, speaking to us. I read I read this chapter last week, and I've spent all week kicking myself. Well, I spent a day thinking about it because there was something wasn't sitting it with me, and there was something that just wasn't clicking. And then I thought, Do you know what, I'm going to go to the commentaries and see what the commentaries say about it. So I've spent all week kicking myself because I thought to myself, Do you know what? Stop looking at things so materialistically. It's not. It's just exactly what Marla said. It's 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 not a face value. Don't we don't judge the book by its cover. So, I'm here to learn today. Yeah. Good. I'm I'm cold as well. It's cold in Scotland. We're not in Scotland, so uh... we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Put on a coat. Y'all have coats, don't you? <laughs> Just, you know, I'll tell this quick story before we got started. We're, I was in a meeting last week with Buddy, okay, and a couple <laughs> of other people, and one of the guys says, is, we've got five minutes to kill. Has anybody else got anything they want to bring up? So I says, next week I'll be a thousand days sober. What did Buddy say? What did you say, Buddy? So what? <laughs> no. Oh, I think- then I sit down to I said, my dog... <laughs> My dog has more time than that, but so what's the big deal? (laughs) 
my imaginary dog. I don't have a dog now, but I use him when no situations. So. <laughs> That's amazing, Craig. Congratulations. Thank you. It's not here yet. There's plenty of time to screw it up, so I'll just, I'm just going to. But the question, though, Craig, is can you enjoy today? Uh, do you know what? I'm loving today, apart from the fact that it's cold and nobody else cares that I'm cold. Is it raining too? Uh, not yet. It's trying uh, to. We're in typhoon season down south. So it's your fault. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be somebody's fault, you know. Are you not going to see the Spice Girls today? The Spice Girls are playing down at your end, are they not? Oh, my fuck. <laughs> you, what? You don't, like the, you don't like the Spice Girls? No. Oh. I can't understand this conversation. I'm trying. talking about the Spice Girls. Yeah. I, what did you respond with, Kirsty? What did you say? I said, am I fuck? Am <laughs> I fuck? Okay. That's no. Say, that's no. Thank you. And don't forget, that's coming from a guy who saw Take That recently. So. Yes, well, exactly. Nice. I was going on to say that, yes. And he took, wants and to see the Spice Girls. And I took my wife to see Westlife. Now, you may laugh. You may laugh. But I was in an auditorium with 15,000 screaming women. So who's the fool, who's the fool now, Paul? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> See, after a few beers, I just looked like half the guys are on that stage, so I was just letting the women just drink all they wanted. <laughs> Don't judge okay. a book by, by its cover, right? <laughs> Welcome to the Dao Te Ching meeting for... <laughs> Kirstie, you going to read for us, dear? I guess it's, yeah. I think it's time to move on. I will share the screen. Okay, um, this is Dao De Ching, chapter 45. Um, the first translation reads, Great accomplishment seems imperfect, yet it does not outlive its usefulness. Great fullness seems empty, yet cannot be exhausted. Great straightness seems twisted. Great intelligence seems stupid. Great eloquence seems awkward. Movement overcomes cold. Stillness overcomes heat. Stillness and tranquility set things in order in the universe. The second translation. True perfection seems imperfect, yet it is perfectly itself. True fullness seems empty, yet it is fully present. True straightness seems crooked. True wisdom seems foolish. True art seems artless. The master allows things to happen. She shapes events as they come. She steps out of the way and lets the Tao speak for itself. Third translation. The greatest accomplishments seem imperfect, yet their usefulness is not diminished. The greatest fullness seems empty, yet it will be inexhaustible. The greatest straightness seems crooked. The most valued skill seems like clumsiness. The greatest speech seems full of stammer, stammers. Movement overcomes the cold, and stillness overcomes the heat. That which is pure and still is the universal ideal. 
Um, the fourth translation. The greatest achievements may look like mistakes, but you will always be able to build upon them. The fullest reserves may seem empty, but you will always be able to draw upon them. The straightest line looks crooked. The most skilled people come off as clumsy. The most eloquent people are usually silent. When it's cold, you can move around to stay warm. When it's hot, you should keep still and stay cool. But whatever the weather, if you stay calm, the world will sort itself out around you. Mm. Balance. Mm. (laughs) He steps out of the way and lets the Tao speak for itself. I think we've, you know, that's come up in other chapters where you you are asked to sit back and let things take care of themselves, where we don't impose our will on anything. Things are going to work out. It's the way of nature to to just sit back and let nature take its course rather than imposing our will and, and our own perceptions on things. That's what I'm kind of getting out of that. I think that would be a big part of if you if you were to write a Dow elevator speech, you know, what is the Dow about in 60 seconds or less? This would be a big part of that, because I yeah. think it's all about us getting right sized as to who and what we are so that we can get out of the way in life and just let life happen. Because our problem is for me is more of getting in the way than it is me having something to accomplish. It's about me letting things be accomplished, you know? Yeah. But, no, but, just, the the first paragraph confuses me a little bit out of all of them uh, about um, perfection. That's, that's, where I, that's where I was stuck. I, I, got, I got caught in that because it was kind of like a paradox in itself. How can something perfect be, yeah, how, how, can, how can perfect be flawed? But that's the that's the thing. It, it, perfection doesn't exist. Well, it, it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for something that's materialistic, if you're looking for something that's materialistically perfect, um, whereas if, if if you start to think outside the box and think of it, it goes into it in some of the translations. Um, again, I I get stuck on this fact that I look at things completely wrong. I just I I look at something and I judge it. I put it into that box and it is what it is. Be it right or wrong, that's. In Craig's head, that's exactly what it is. Mitchell says that that word for imperfect, or was it Derek? Somebody said, Derek Lynn, maybe that it's incomplete, that incomplete's another way of looking at that, that the perfect seems incomplete rather than flawed. You know, not necessarily that it's flawed, but that, you know, and the way that we look at things, we, we never see things the way they really are. I think that, Craig, what you're talking about there is because we're looking physically Mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of practice to look at things through a spiritual eye rather than a physical eye. Yeah. (laughs) We also see things based on um, our limited observations and perceptions, which are based on our values and what our parents taught us and what society's taught us, which are, are always wrong, but they're Hours. Yeah, it's this filter that we're looking through. Yeah. And usually the filter I'm looking through is, okay, what is this going to do for me? <laughs> Used to especially, you know. I mean, yeah. 
Okay, how can I inter- how am I interpreted this? And it was always personal. Everything was personal. So if I'm looking through things with these personal glasses, like this guy pulled out in front of me, he did that to me. <laughs> he don't even know who I am, but he did it to me, you know. Uh, you know, my wife was fussing at me. She's, you know, she doesn't love me when she might just be on her period and, you know, <laughs> all that stuff, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies. <laughs> did you just say that? I did. Oh, what angle? Well, I'm in Georgia. Y'all can't hit me from here, from there. So. <laughs> in all fairness, yeah, I kind of agree. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's not about me. It's not a personal thing. No matter what this, she may be, okay, let me rephrase that. She may be yelling at me. <laughs> Let's, let, let, let Buddy think himself at this one. But I can always edit. You know, I can go back and remove. So. <laughs> that wife number two. yes Kirsty. yes you're right Uh, she may be mad about something at work and taking you know so it may have nothing to do with me at all but everything that everyone i interact with is personal yeah that's those personal glasses that i'm looking through it all comes back to the ego doesn't it it does (laughs) <laughs> yeah Definitely. and if i dig deep enough paul it's probably got some fear there too oh yeah for oh. sure and i think the ego too uh talking about something being perfect isn't that a judgment anyway you know Absolutely. so can something truly be perfect if it's looked at through the filter of our ego correct that's how i that's how i interpret that that's good paul that's good uh-huh. Buddy, when you, when you when you said about um, incompleteness, something clicked, and that first part, and also when it talks about being full, because we say something is perfect, because we say we have accomplished something, um, we're implying to a certain degree that it's finished. It's a finished. Um, it's a finished process. We are, we are done. Um, when in reality, even when we die, um, even when we finish, I don't know something, nothing's ever finished. And any accomplishment that you have, you're never finished. You know, you can't put that down and say, oh, I'm now done with that because ultimately either somebody else will pick it up um, and use it in a different way. Um, So, and that's what I mean by fullness. Just because something's full, complete, it can't be exhausted because people can take out and then put back. Um, It can be emptied and then filled up. Um, And... Yeah, that's kind of what I get from the first bit. Tina, uh, we put the reading in the chat, so if you <laughs> chat, you you can find it there. So and pull it up. So just so you'd know. Good to have you today. Thank you. Good morning. And just jump in when you've got a comment or question because this is it's just kind of a free for all. So, uh, Lala, you have something? You know the what. <laughs> thing that keeps jumping out at me 
and which always confuses me in my Buddhist meetings, is this, um, you know, you're always aspiring the path that I go to, to emptiness. Like, that's kind of like the ultimate. And according to some of my teachers there, there's books and volumes written about what emptiness is and emptiness means, and it is something to be aspired to. I don't know, I'm just guess I still have a hard time understanding that concept. I'm wondering what other people maybe think that means to them. Maybe uh, being open, open, not. It, to me, it, uh, it's, it's a really hard concept, but it is, to me, it just means that nothing is real. Yeah. Everything that is around us, in front of us, is we see it based on our own perceptions, but it's not really real. Yeah. Not, you know, a car is a car because we named it a car. Right. But what is it really, you know? Have you ever thought about a color? And I said, I see something as green, but I wonder what someone else sees that as. <laughs> I see this color that I think is green. I wonder if they see the same color I'm seeing. Probably not. But they're calling it the same thing. <laughs> I was reading this book on um, psychic intuition, I think it was, and just about how different languages name different colors. Or, I mean, think about the way Eskimos have like 50 different words for some different kinds of snow. I mean, so we only see it through the lens of what our culture puts on it. Exactly. And I, according to, you know, science, we don't, our mind doesn't process in words. It uses symbols. Now it uses symb- symb- symbology, which is why a lot of dreams are more symbolic than what is actually being said. That's an interesting observation. Hmm. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> there was also a cartoon with um, two people arguing about a number, and one person could see a sex, another person was standing on the other side. They- Oopsie froze. He froze at sex. <laughs> he said it was cold there. See a nine. <laughs> okay, there it is. Okay, he's back. One would see a six and one would see a nine. Yeah, I don't think he can hear me. No, no, that's that. Oh, okay. God, what's going on? Right, that's that's yeah, yeah. One one person was looking at the at, from upside down. So it's all, all down to perspective. So just, just your body might see green, but we could see blue. It just depends on your perspective things and your and your cultural upbringing as well, or just the, the way you've been the way you've been raised. Taking everybody's and everything and society's everybody's perspective out of it that leads to emptiness. Just what is? What mm-hmm. is? And you're Lala. You're referring to that line: "Great fullness seems empty." Yes, so. <laughs> um, yeah, true fullness seems empty. Uh, you know, it's interesting how the word seems is used in this. Like in that first translation, I'm, I wrote it down. That it's used five times. You know, it may, you know, it may seem empty or actually six times. One, two, no, five. Uh, it may seem empty, but it's not. The way we perceive it is not watch the reality for for me the empty is not nothing there but maybe empty of 
agenda, empty of control, empty of selfishness, empty of fear. Well, you could go, you could, Paul, you could use your page 84 on that empty of selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear would cover most everything. Mm -hmm. So if you're empty of. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, it's almost, I think in terms of nothing, there's nothing external being placed on that. Right. You just are, you're just at joy, you're just at peace, just because, not because this happened or this happened or, you know, you solved this. It's it's just empty of any external means of getting you to that place. It's surrender, really. It is, that is surrender. That is the letting go. That is that whole idea of turning your will and your life over to God's care. And doing it in such a way that you've surrendered all of that. You're powerless, in other words, in that. Uh, And I think that's why if you're able to do that, then you're able to step out of the way and just let it be. But you can't do that unless you're empty, you know. Yeah, when when I hear like empty vessel and stuff like that, I just think keep it simple. Yes. You know, don't over complicate things get out of your head uh just let it like buddy said just let it be let it go so well something that um one of the commentaries wrote was um um it says lao tzu's philosophy is firmly environmentalist although his text precedes the invention of the word with more than two thousand years he urges mankind to avoid interfering with the natural processes or we do harm to them. So just stepping back and surrender. That's what surrender means. I think about it in my own life. When things have worked out, has always the, for the best has always been when I've just let go of them and gotten out of the way. And I don't know how many times in situations, my first impression is, you know, I'll see things as twisted that are really straight. I'll think something stupid that's really intelligent. You know, mm-hmm. that whole idea of I look at something, I identify it, I categorize it, and I figure out how I'm better than it is or less than it is, <laughs> and do all of this judging before in the first split second used to all the time i try to be more open-minded now but still i still have to check myself human nature it's like to put things into categories this is good like I, this person i like this person i don't like rather than seeing the whole individual mm-hmm. um and and constantly doing it i mean without i don't know if it's something that's just innate in nature or if we're conditioned this way but it's almost impossible to avoid unless you are constantly hypervigilantly looking at it. I think it's the curse of being human. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's why I'm coming back as a dog next year, next time. I don't want to be human again. Painful. Can you, can you choose? Do you get to choose? No. <laughs> no, I'm stuck in this human condition for seven years behind me and seven years ahead of me. I mean, seven centuries seven lifetimes ahead of me. I'm told it's, there's very few in the Buddhist tradition, they almost all want to come back as men, not women. As men? I, I think, and I had a female teacher and I told her, I said, I think that's because 
it's such an old tradition, you know, male-rooted, old white man-rooted society. <laughs> what is it in the Bible or something? Women are three-fifths of a man. <laughs> I can see the advantage of coming back as a man. I, I, I can understand why you women want to do that. <laughs> That's why I, I knew Craig. I knew Craig <laughs> would do that. I think I'd like to come back as a woman, though. I, I think it'd be really nice to be a lady. Get your own back. <laughs> I'm trying to score points here, Craig. Give me a break. <laughs> if you come back as a woman, I hope you have painful periods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, just trying, he's just trying to walk back that period comment. I know. I am, Paul. You're exactly right. <laughs> it came out. <laughs> okay, we're this is the Dao Te Ching meeting. We we'll get it back on track. Uh, I've got a I've got a comment about emptiness. Um, yes. It's actually something um, I was talking to my daughter about last night because um, my mind naturally, and I think it's quite common for a lot of addicts, also people with mental health problems. I have a million different conversations or thoughts going on at once. Yes. Right. And the idea of being empty for me is like Nirvana, my mind being empty and not thinking about something because the more I think about something, well, for a start, if I think about something, then it's more than likely that my self will is going to get involved. Um, If I, if I think about something, chances are I'll overanalyze it and make a huge cock up of it. Um, and, and I, and I, I, cause was quite, I was quite exasperated last night. And I said to my daughter, I said, I just want this noise in my head to stop. Cause we're quite open. It was a joke. And she went, that's not possible. You can't not think. And I went, ha, huh, I'm told that if you meditate, then you can and she she's like, nah, she's like, I don't, I don't believe it. I don't, I don't believe it for a second, because she's very much like me. And I said, yeah, it's true. I said if you meditate, and if you like calm yourself down, you can think about nothing, and you can be empty. And being empty and not having that kind of the washing machine, the shitty committee in your head, actually brings its own sense of tranquility. Um, and because you're not forcing anything, because you're not overthinking anything, then you're letting things happen on their own. Um, so yeah, I guess that's how, certainly today anyway, that's how I would look at being empty. Um, I can be empty of mind, but full of heart. Um, you know, that's why I enjoy a bit more walk first thing in the morning. I'm normally up. I'm normally if I take my mum or my sister to work. I'm normally back for just after five. That's the time that I like to go for a walk. There's nothing happening. I can just I just don't have to think about anything. Work's not happened yet. Council in bed. Louise is still in bed. It's just it's just my time, and I can just empty. I can just, I can just I don't have to think about anything. I can listen to music. I can have a podcast on, but by the end of it, I probably wouldn't have remembered what was going on. I would have just completely blanked out. Um, I enjoy that. That, that. That's how I get empty. I just, I just take away all my surroundings. And I just go out for a walk. Um, and it's really good. It's really helpful. Yeah, I like yeah. that. 
It's a free like, exercise as well. I like that as opposed to, I think I've said it before, I'm a horrible, well, I'm working on being a better meditator, but I find movement during meditation as a way of emptying to be a lot more in line with, you know, like with this during yoga or walking in nature versus just sitting there. Um, I'm in agreement. I find when I'm in a yoga practice, that's all. I'm only thinking about what's going on in my body. Yeah. There's nothing else. You're almost unable to. I mean, it's like, it's like, what is it? If you're in free pose and you start thinking, you're going to lose your balance. Absolutely. Which is a metaphor for life. Yeah. You start thinking, you're going to fall. So quit thinking. And your problems. (laughs) I had a holistic doctor one time tell me to help with my anxiety and stress to play ping pong, take dance lessons, mow the lawn, do something where you have to think about it a little bit Mm -hmm. so that your mind is free. And that makes sense with everything you guys are saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, when I first started recovery, my sponsor would say, you know, when I was craving would say, get up and do something, move a muscle, get up and do something. Yeah. And it always dissipates the craving. It's amazing. I, uh, I've experienced a little bit of that, Kirsty, in meditation, not that often, uh, just, a, just a few times where I have been, the thoughts have been in the background, and it's almost like a background noise that I, was, that I could meditate past all of the thought. But for me, the emptiness is more in my actions. Uh, when I'm interacting with someone, am I empty of control am i trying to just do my part not the director you know all those type things is how how i try to look at that emptiness um but that that seems to be the practical application for me yeah um, but it's progress not perfection we, we exactly. practice it practice but you're never gonna be perfect at it i've got a couple of notes here um how do i look at the world am i looking for god or am i look am i looking for god or man am i am i looking at things as how they can benefit me or am i looking at things that what can i do to help you know how am i interpreting all the all this am i accepting or am i judgmental um this truth uh the truth for me, a lot of times, if something's challenging, something I think, I, I, I come at it from a negative, and I, I try not to. I try to change that and say, "Okay, I'm defending." You know, I'll automatically start defending if someone, if I'm attacked or someone says something that doesn't agree. You know, used to I, I try to do better with that now, but still, if I don't watch it, I'll start this defensive thing. You know, I'll start maneuvering to defend you know and stopping that and saying it's okay we don't have to agree or disagree it just is you know i don't have to get everyone on my side yes. <laughs> don't have to be on my side That's you know? uh, glass half full or half empty uh, do i look at similarities or do i look at differences what what do they say in recovery uh Take uh, take what you want and leave the rest. That's it. Thank you, Kirsty. 
being trapped by first impressions. Yes. Okay. Uh, any other comments before we go through the commentaries quickly? No. Craig, you have anything you want to discuss in the Derek Lynn? Um, just the um, just, just just where they're talking about things like great perfection and that Derek Lynn basically says like the great perfection in this case can be uh, classes the Tao, so great perfection can be the Tao, the way. Um, so just because we think it's perfect in our minds, again, it's taken away from the materialistic things and put more of a more of a spiritualistic or more of a a way turn on it. Um, and he's talking about the flaw. Um, the flaw in this context means a lack of completeness, which I think I think Kirsty hinted on as well with things being complete. But just because we think they're complete, they're not, and there's always something else to it. Um, but I think that was really it. That was that was really the only enlightenment I got from Derek Lynn was the fact that stop putting this box. Okay. Um, true fullness. Uh, Mitchell talked about true perfection. A cracked coffee cup. The sound of traffic outside your window. True fullness would be attention, like when he's talking about. Um, true fullness seems empty he was saying true fullness would be like uh, awareness which makes a little sense yeah that brings another layer to that awareness does seem empty but what you know when you think about it it's like awareness of let's say your differences with somebody without having judgment of them Yes, yes. The thing that confused me about it was why, why are they mentioning things like movement overcomes cold, stillness overcomes heat? Is it I, to... Well, I read that beca- that it's as simple as um, when you're, like, say, having a heated argument with somebody, that silence is actually the best way to deal with it. So there's heat there, there, yeah. You know, there's stimulation and then there's silence that... Or if you're cold, you dress warm. You you have some movement to get warm. Or if you're warm, you un, you know unlayer and become cool. Or if, or, or if you're freezing someone out, you might reach out to, to help them or and an olive branch. You yeah, know, that's kind of a bit like the stillness overcomes heat. You, you know, also key. If you're not careful with this, you can get the idea that your job is to do nothing. right Right. yeah so maybe part of it too is that regardless of what's going on you have a part to play you have you you have something to do and it's like um paul talking about the weaker i get the stronger i become becoming weak is a lot of work becoming empty is is work yeah yeah. So there's always a part for us to play. If it's a the, even just a part of surrender, it is still work. Yes, it is. So that's the. I think that's the difference. Um, is that no matter what's going on, there's you have a part in it. It may be just to play your little part, but there's something for you to do. Even if it's nothing. Yes. 
Especially Doing nothing is much harder, Lala, than, than <laughs> that is that is huge work. That goes back to that simplicity, Paul, that you were talking about. Yeah, I think uh, doing nothing is highly underrated. <laughs> well, sometimes people will just do, just be active just to, to have something to do. And just to tell people how busy they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. We call them busybodies, right? I mean, yeah. all that for a reason. Yeah. Um, in my evolution, I've learned how to... I used to just fill my head with noise and, and and always be either have the TV or the music or doing something and just so I wouldn't listen to the noise. But now I've enjoyed, you know, sometimes hours of stillness, few and far between, but still I, I try and get still and silent at least once a day. Michael Singer goes on quite a bit, quite a bit about that on the untethered soul. He talks quite about that. About people just coming in, switching on TVs, radios, even in different rooms, not just having one thing on, got multiple applications on at one time, just to just to take away from the noise that's in the head or just away from the thoughts. Yeah, my husband does that. He'll have the TV on and be watching a video on his phone. And yeah. Oh, Callum does that. He sits and plays his PlayStation. He's got a video on his phone and he's got a video on the the Kindle as well. Yeah. Hey, great. Thank you. Go ahead, sir. I just think it's also just a function of our of our reality now with this overstimulation with all the screens and uh, you know I think I was talking to one of my teachers about um, you know going off to a cave to meditate and just how much easier <laughs> that was in the past without having all these distractions. We lost the Wi-Fi one time, and we were just about meltdown. <laughs> just like I was like, I can't get on Facebook. <laughs> what's, yeah, what's going on? What's, what's happening? We were having at work, and we all just kind of came out of our offices, and we're like, "What did people do before computers?" At work? <laughs> hey, hey, Craig, I've been listening to Surrender Experiment. How did you go with that? Good. Um, I downloaded it and i'm listening to it now he um that's uh for guys that's michael singer's other book that's really good and that goes in if you have problems with the untethered soul understanding it or comprehending it this uh surrender experiment is his his experience on applying it really is what it is i I really struggled with untethered soul to start with and then I found that other book and I thought that was just so much more beneficial to listen to that before I actually get into the science of what was going on. And Kirsty, he talks a lot about being the third person, you know, separating himself from his thoughts mm-hmm. uh, and how that happened for him. So uh, you okay. might enjoy that. I'm on, um, I'm on chapter three at the moment of Untethered Soul. So. Well, that's in the Surrender Experiment. That's where he talks about how it happened for him. And it was uh, it's really good. Um, okay, do we want to move on to Wayne Dyer? Sure. Okay, Marla, you just uh, whatever parts of that you want to discuss, we'll discuss. All right, Wayne Wayne Dyer, forty fifth verse. The greatest perfection seems imperfect, and yet its use is inexhaustible. The greatest fullness seems empty and yet its use is endless. Great straightness seems twisted. 
Great intelligence seems stupid. Great eloquence seems awkward. Great truth seems false. Great discussion seems silent. Activity conquers cold. Inactivity conquers heat. Stillness and tranquility set things in order in the universe. So this is, he, he um, titled this Living Beyond Superficialities. This verse subtly asks you to view the world with new eyes. Most likely you've been conditioned to evaluate just about everything with a cursory and a fleeting glance. Here, however, Lao Tzu is asking you to stop seeing through your ego-dominated culture and to instead be noticing the still and tranquil invisible space within everything. When you go beyond superficialities, you become aware that what used to look imperfect, empty, awkward, or even stupid now appears perfect, full, eloquent, and intelligent. Whoa. Um, Your previous way of thinking about the world told you that it's full of imperfections, the people in your life should be different, politicians should be aligned with your values, the weather should be more consistent and reliable, the multitudes should be more peaceful, young people should study harder, and older people should be more tolerant. The assessments are relentlessly endless, and they're, based, they're all based on teachings that, that you've adopted. While they may seem sensible and correct, these views are simply the result of only looking at what exists on the surface. Hold on a minute. This verse of the Tao Te Ching seems to say, try looking at it this way. What seems to be imperfect has perfection, and what seems empty and false has a profound spiritual truth supporting it. The paradox here is evident. Hunger doesn't exist in the world as an element of the perfection of the Tao, and the desire to help those who are starving is also part of that perfection. You're being asked not to label what you see as imperfect, stupid, or empty. Rather, look for the stillness and tranquility within you that you can bring to these superficial appearances. When you refrain from engaging in judgments based solely on looks, you paradoxically become an instrument for change. Hold on right there. When you refrain from engaging in judgments based solely on looks, become an instrument for change. Yeah, I want that. That was on the that was on the course of miracles this morning. Yes, it was. It was to do with uh, a, a day. It's either a day or a week full of of judgment free. And it's very difficult to do. I've I've tried to do it since this morning. Since listening to it, <laughs> very very difficult to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I judge someone, I'm judging me. Mm-hmm. That's who I'm really judging. I'm not judging them. I'm judging me. Well, it's like, why can't they be more like me? That's what a judgment is. Why aren't you more like me? That's what I think a judgment is. Or I am, yeah. Or I would never do that, but that's also saying. I'm better than you. Yeah. Why aren't you more like me? Yeah. Or the opposite. If you go in the opposite spectrum, you're so much better than me. (laughs) The opposite type of judgment, you know, where you, the self-pity side of that. Yeah. But that still becomes all about me. Yes, exactly, Marla. Exactly. No matter how you slice it, it's all about me, you know. Enough talking about me. Let's talk about me some more, you know, that kind of thing. You know? yeah. yeah. I really, I really, really hated it 
when somebody pointed it out to me that when I judge someone, it's actually a reflection more about myself. Because when I have a resentment and, and a large part of it is based on a judgment of another person, I actually, I now immediately think, right, what does that say about me? And just, and that really, really annoys me that now I've got the ability to do that because I'm thinking, <laughs> instead of kind of just, I don't know, being, being the old way and kind of being happy and sneery and being sneery and kind of going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm like going, well, that obviously means that I'm X, Y, and Z. And then, you know, you can't, there's no, you don't get anything out of it. There's no point in being judgmental because all you're doing is you're pointing out your own defects, your own insecurities, your own stuff. And so what's the point I think it was Buddy. Yeah, I think it was Buddy that pointed out to me that you should just make sure your own house is in order before you before you criticise somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And then when you when you see that, then you quit criticising others too. You know? Yeah, that's, that's the result. But you know, Kirsty, that is a great example of being empty. That is that is part of the process of emptying. Is exactly what we're talking about. Because when we realize that we're judging ourselves, then we're letting go of some of that control. We're letting go of, of, of some of that selfishness and that resentment and fear and all of that when we start seeing it. So that is actually the process of becoming empty, part of it. Sure is. Goes back to the Bible too, doesn't it? Judge not, lest you be judged. Right. Paul quoting Bible to us? Come on now, Paul. I'm giving you, I'm giving you, a, I'm giving you a Jesus quote this morning. How about that? <laughs> Don't judge a book by its cover, buddy. <laughs> uh, what else do we want to cover in this? Um, you have some more you want to talk about? I know we don't have time to read the whole thing. No, but... I just wanted to do the practical exercise. Okay. Is, um Become aware of your conditioned responses that lead you to label people, places, and circumstances as less than perfect. See the flawlessness behind the supposed defects. Um, As I watch my children grow up, for instance, there were many times when their challenging behavior at a certain age was really a kind of brilliance. For example, I observed them refusing to eat certain nutritionist foods nutritious foods, knowing that they need to go through these phases in order to reach higher places. An adamant refusal to eat vegetables isn't stupid or twisted thinking. It was perfect and necessary for them at the time. You can apply this same kind of patient stillness to your world. Inch by inch, we evolve as people toward a fuller union with the Tao. One of history's greatest mystical thinkers, Meister Eckhart, poetically put it this way several centuries ago. Every object, every creature, every man, woman, and child has a soul, and it is the destiny of all to see as God sees, to know as God knows, to feel as God feels, to be as God is. Becoming aware of the conditioned responses that lead you to label people, places, and circumstances as less than perfect. How many times have I gone into situations that I labeled one way that I thought this was great and it ended up 
being ended up not being great or things I thought were bad ended up being good. I have no idea coming in what something really is. So if I can learn just to accept it as it is, not take it personally, not label it, not put it in my box and say, okay, well, this just is. What can I do to help? You know, um, I was thinking about this in terms of relapse and how I'm on, you know, several Facebook groups, uh, recovery Facebook groups, and there's always, when, when somebody relapses, it's always, you know, how can, how much can I beat myself up about this? I'm a loser. I'm going to kill myself. About relapsing, when that's sort of a conditioned response. When when we relapse, which is such a part of our disease, um, you know, we, it, it's, you know, we should, we need to look at it as something that's part of the process and that you just move on. You know, yeah, you relapsed, move on. Don't dwell in it, see it for what it is and move on. It's, it's a really hard response, I think, to, to come out of, you know. You know, you know, we want to be encouraging and I see people, you know, um, for me, I, unless I know what I need to say, I, I'm just quiet. You know, I'll, uh, I know from my personal experience, I relapsed for six years, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So it took that long. In hindsight, it took all of those relapses for me to learn to surrender. Mm -hmm. I was learning that whole time. None of those for me were a mistake. It was what I needed. But in in the time, did you not beat yourself up about it? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I beat myself up. I didn't stop, but I, oh, yeah, I, I, I did that for sure. Um, I, I guess my question really, if I'm right size going into any relapse or anything is, how can I love this person? What can I say that would help this person? Uh, not, how can I guilt them into not drinking again? Right. No, you, know? you don't want to do that. That's not going to work, you know. Um. So, yeah, that's that's really the question anytime, I think, is, you know, how can I help, you know, not how I can fix. Well, I'm thinking about our own response to our relapse. It's, yeah. you know, yeah. how do we recover from feelings of d- disdain and despair or depression that we place upon ourselves when we relapse? That, yeah, I guess that, for me, I, I'm, I'm, I've learned to... Instead of phrase it, I'm this huge fuck up, I would phrase it, what can I learn from this? Yeah, that's what how we need to rephrase things is how do I learn from this relapse rather than beating ourselves up about it? Don't judge that's it. A, that's a tough one. <laughs> exactly, Lala. Exactly. What'd you say? Don't judge it. Kind of look at it as if, you know, just like that third person point of view. And look at the bigger picture. What was working before? What wasn't working? What can I do better? Different, not better. Different. Yeah. Well, that was the question my sponsor, he stayed with me the whole time. And he said, you know, what are you going to do different this time? He never, because he did the same thing. So that's why God had him in my life for that reason. And he would say, okay, what are you going to do different this time? I heard that a million times. Here I am, the successful business guy, you know, all 
everything was working other than I could not stop drinking. I mean, I just couldn't do it. And so he find, you know, he stayed with me while I learned how to surrender really was how I learned how to do the first three steps, how I learned how to let go of the control and empty enough to where when the time came, I didn't drink. That was really, really kind of him. Yeah. You know, yeah. A lot I, of sponsors don't stay. Mm-hmm. I know. I usually, I, I usually say something kind of similar to that. I always ask, what's the plan? Yeah. You know, okay, you, you, you screwed up. Now, what's the plan? Somebody asked me that, you know, early on. It's like, you know, what, what's your plan? Well, I didn't, then I had to think about it, you know, put it into action. M- me as well. This last, uh, when I was in rehab, I'm like, what am I going to do different when I get out of here? And I made a plan. So it's working. We can all be grateful. Any other comments on this before we close? Everyone good? This was a good good discussion. I've, oh. I've learned a lot from this meeting. I've, I'm going to take quite a lot away from this. And the main thing is not put it in the box, not put things not put things in the box. Right. Don't judge stuff. Like Lala, Lala put it in like that's succinct. We just stop learning not to judge things. Let things be. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. You know what I hate about these meetings like this? <laughs> All week, I'm going to get situations that I'm challenged not to judge. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that. I've- I'm going to go to school now. It's like I get instruction. And then the school is my interaction with other people all week. <laughs> I'm going to try and put my reaction first. I'm, I'm going to say, who am I to judge? Before I say, you're an ass, but who am I to judge? <laughs> Not the opposite, Craig said, you're I'm, an ass, but well, who am I to judge? Yeah, you're I'm going to try to flip it around. Okay. Who am I to judge? Yeah, you're still an ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the non-apology apology, right? I'm sorry, I just don't apologize. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry you screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, guys. Any other closing comments? Are we good? No, I'm just glad we end up laughing. Oh, yeah. We might as well, Marl. No. It's <laughs> <laughs> the alternative, right? That's right. it. Well, y'all have a great week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.